Welcome to Eat, Sleep, Wine, Repeat, a podcast for all you wine lovers who, if you're like me, just cannot get enough of the good stuff. I'm Yanina Doyle, your host, brand ambassador, wine educator, and sommelier. So stick with me as we dive deeper into this ever-evolving, wonderful world of wine. And wherever you are listening to this, cheers to you. Hello to all my thirsty wine friends. This episode is going to be all about the grape variety Semion, a grape that over two years of episodes, and I fear I've never actually mentioned, which is terrible as this is such an age-worthy grape variety, a white wine that is affordable. Those of you interested to try should turn your attention to the wine region of Hunter Valley in New South Wales, Australia, which is the new world's spiritual home for this grape variety. And to be fair, it's much better known there than it is in its origin, which is Bordeaux, France, where, as an example, Semillon is part of the blend which makes the famous Sauternes wine. So Chateau de Chem, you may have heard of the one and only superior first growth of the 1855 Bordeaux classification. So this specific dessert wine is known as the greatest sweet wine of the world. But putting dessert wine aside and looking at Semillon as a dry wine and as a single variety and not as a blend it's the winery Tyrrells that you need to know about. And so today's guest is Chris Tyrrell, who as the name suggests, is fifth generation of the dynasty that is the Tyrrell family winemaking. Now, Chris has made wine for the winery, but currently is chief operating officer who oversees all the production. And in 2012, Chris was named rising star at the Hunter Valley Wine Industry Association Legends Awards. Okay, that was a really long name. These awards recognise the young talent of Hunter Valley. So I think we're going to be in very safe hands here. Now, on a winemaking note, Chris mentions during the chat, Bome. Now, this is spelt B-A-U-M-E with the acute accent on the E at the end. But don't forget, there is a transcript. So you can download that. Just go to my show notes. Now, for those of you that have never heard of the term Bome, it's a way of measuring sugar levels in grape juice. So one Bome can typically produce one degrees of alcohol or just a little bit more. And bricks, B-R-I-X... You may have heard that mentioned as well, is another scale that viticulturalists will use. They'll pick their grapes when they reach between 22 and 25 bricks. So 22 can result in wines that have about 12 to 13% ABV and 25 bricks would be more like 14, 15% ABV. Right, wine terms tick. (laughs) Theme of the episode I think is established. So let's go over to the chat now. So I'm going to start. Tyrrells, my God, the history. I've always been very impressed with this winery. So I'm going to take it back to the beginning for those people that don't know much about Tyrrells. Now, Edward Tyrrell started everything, right? He was Mm -hmm. English. I love that. And he came over in 1858. So, I mean, shall we we start there? Do you want the, the quick greatest hits the whole way through to now? Yeah, but do it fast. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, so, no, yeah, my great-great-grandfather, Edward Tyrrell, he moved to Australia in 1858 
to um, live with his uncle, who was the first Archbishop of Newcastle. Okay. Yeah, so and it wasn't long after that that Edward realised that the the church life wasn't going to be for him. So around that time, the (laughs) the government had these things called uh, concessional land purchases. So you could you were allotted a three hundred and twenty acre block of land, and on the proviso you didn't have to pay it back straight away, but on the proviso that you developed it, agriculture, cleared the land, etc., etc., etc. Okay. This this had been going on for a while, and we actually well he but I still live here now. We got one of the last ever ones that they that the government got. Now that's yeah, lucky. Yeah. Wow, you just got and in for there. for viticulture, they started, they did what the Europeans did. They started over at the river. So James Busby's father had a property there. All the original vineyards were there in the late 1820s. And then eventually they thought, uh, what, what do you do next? You go to the mountain. So they went to the mountain because uh, that's Europe. It's either you're on a river or on a mountain, right? Or both. Um, mm-hmm. So, And then they worked their way north. And we are more or less the, the last of sort of the northern ones up against the mountain range, our property now. Amazing, amazing. And so mm. that's how it started. You yeah. are officially part of the Australia's first families of wine. So yeah. what is that for anybody what who... What is that? Yeah. yeah. So what, guess, what is it? For, what are for, you? What is it? Um, <laughs> so it's a it's a group of wineries and there's, there's 10 of us now. It started as 12. But if you oh, can... Oh, what happened re- to the other two? Oh, that's a, that's a story for did another they, podcast. Did they get, <laughs> did they get kicked out? <laughs> they didn't get kicked out. One of them has sold uh, and is not owned by the original family anymore. Oh, Williams. okay. Well, that, that's fair enough. Yeah. And of then course. the other one is De Bortoli, who um, uh, okay, yeah. decided for uh, other reasons not to be in the AFFW, but nothing to do with the AFFW. That's a oh, long story for another time. That's very political. So, okay. All right. Yeah. Moving on. So <laughs> if, you, if you cast, if, yeah, exactly. If you cast your mind back to the the late noughties, so you mm-hmm. know, the, or, the, or the mid noughties even, Australia at that point in time had a pretty bad reputation, and particularly in the UK, just in terms of all Australian wines the same. It all tastes the same. Doesn't matter where you get it from. Sunshine in a bottle, and I think. <laughs> To our credit, though, I think, and again, this is long before my time, right? But I think Australia did such a good job in export, selling the dream. Mm -hmm. Um, We had really good commercially priced wines. They were really good. And you could argue maybe we did too good a job. And then it came to, hey, we've also got all these other amazing sites and amazing wines and history. and, And then it was like, oh, shit, like no one will talk to us anymore because we're not seen as premium. So, um and there are some of those large brands that we all know and love and sell a lot of wine, but probably weren't doing a lot to enhance the, the diversity piece. So yeah, um, a lot of friends, and they are friends. So my father, Bruce, and say Ross Brown from Brown Brothers, Robert Hill Smith from Yolamba, et cetera, et cetera, they got together and said, look, this is, this is bullshit. We've got to go and tell the story and how amazing it is. So they created a group, um, and for a better term, it's a, it's a marketing group, I guess, yeah, we travelled around the world and done tastings and really just retelling the story of Australian wine and the history of it and what makes us so special. And, you know, if I come to London and do a tasting, I'm going to get a few people. But if I turn up with Stephen Henschke, Robert Hillsmith, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, yes, exactly. Um, get, yeah, it is a lot louder and it's got a lot more, um, not that Tyrrells aren't authentic, but if you go as a group of family-owned businesses that are all multi-generational, uh, it's, it's a pretty powerful thing. Yeah, no, you, you're part of a pretty cool club. 
Yeah, and it's and and why Australia have have enjoyed it, and we work pretty closely with them. And in many cases, some of the family businesses are, um, you know, the we'll, the media will come to us for industry issues, and because historically we've been the people that have commented on those anyway. If you go to the large companies that are publicly owned, private equity and whatnot. Um, they're not going to give you an answer. They'll just talk around it. Whereas I think generally speaking, family businesses will just get straight to the point. Mm. And and even though there's only 10 of us, it's not an exclusive club. Like we we always talk about, you know, it, there's 10 of us, but we're talking on behalf of Australian wine. And that can be, you know, a smaller family winery in Victoria or a multi-generational wine up in the Hunter. Like it doesn't matter. We, we kind of we just want to tell that story of Australian wine. It's a pretty good thing. Mm, and you talk about family because this mm. is what it's all about. So mm. what was it like for you growing up in such an important wine family of Australia? Yeah, I was, I was looking at that question and thinking about that earlier. <laughs> um, but I guess I guess it's, it's all I know, so I don't know anything different. But I guess what I remember was uh, um, how hard everyone worked. And mm. so my father traveled a lot he was probably away three or four months of the year mm-hmm. in export trips because that's when the export boom was happening and when when we were here you know it was up early and you'd go particularly during heart like so when you're a kid you remember times like harvest right so of you know he'd be up at, he'd be up at sunrise he'd be gone and then he'd come back and have dinner and then he'd go back out and check on if we were machine picking that night the harvesters that night that's just what you did um, mm. and i never really had this uh, you know, as you get older, you kind of figure out you need to um, earn a wage, and you know you've got children, and you want to do you do all that stuff. Uh-huh. But for, for us, it, it's it's our family business. But all the staff that work here are like family. I've grown up with all of the people here, and and they've grown up with me. So like when I came into the business, you know, it was just more of the same: hard work, hard work. And because they'd known me so long, they they always felt comfortable to pull me into line when I need to be pulled into line, and and you know, and still do. It's always been a really flat. Uh, like a flat sort of management structure here. And, mm. you know, we've got guys that work in the cellar, for instance, that have been here since the early 1980s. Oh, you know, and they're not, 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 not our like head winemaker. They're just, you know, boys that work in the cellar and, and run the cellar for us. And they're the ones that make Tyrrells as, as great as, say, our chief winemaker or Bruce Tyrrell or me or, you know, whatever. So yeah. we've just got an amazing, amazing staff here. And in many ways, we, we can all, th- you know, finish each other's sentences and all think as a group pretty clearly. <laughs> Yeah, That's which, which what is we good. Like. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I certainly remember, uh, and just a lot of fun, you know. Like we grew up on a farm, and there was tractors and motorbikes, and you know, fixing things and pulling things out of dams and all sorts of things, you know. I I um, can actually understand the tractor thing. My nephew is now yeah. a year and a half, and whenever yeah. he sees a tractor, he says tractor. Yeah, tractor. yeah, yeah. I've got a I've got a four <laughs> and a six year old, two boys. That's exactly the same. Oh, and it, I am seeing this obsession start. So, oh, yeah, I can't yeah. imagine how fun it is for them. So, let's go <laughs> continue with the family story. It was your grandfather yeah. who really—he was a pioneer. He really pushed the story of Hunter Valley. Had real yeah. vision for its success and the quality that could be produced there. So, what did yeah, what, right. what have you learned from him? Uh, I guess uh, so. I was. You know, history is a funny thing, or life's a funny <laughs> thing. I, oh, yes. I, my first vintage working at Tyrrell's was the first vintage my grandfather had after he passed away. So I kind of think that's oh, like wow. the, okay. the, the, wine, the wine god saying, if another one wants to come in, another one's got to go. <laughs> Circle of life, wow. Yeah, uh, yeah mm-hmm. exactly. So um, I never actually had a working relationship with my grandfather. He died pretty young not in, when he was 79. Mm. Um, from cancer but 
certainly a lot of my childhood memories from Murray and I guess the things I kind of looking back on it have learnt was that it was just always in the vineyard and that's all we would do drive around and look at vineyards and talk about grapes and talk about vineyards and even as a five-year-old a ten-year-old and then when you get later in your life you realize bloody hell he was right like that's so important all that stuff you can Mm. it's not about having fancy equipment in the winery it's not about doing if you get that first bit right then it just makes everything so easy and I think that's something that that we instill but the other thing I learned about my grandfather is talking from other to other people that worked with him so whether people that have moved on or people that are still here now and just his generosity particularly to younger winemakers and younger workers and people he helped along the way that might have had rough backgrounds or whatnot. Um, he was an amazingly generous guy and people, anywhere you go in the world, people will talk about his generosity. And and I guess another thing for me as I, you know, I'm transitioning uh, as my father gets older is Murray always had smart people around him, like young, energetic winemakers. And he wanted to, no matter how, as he got older, all he, he just wanted to keep learning, keep learning, like you never nothing's ever set and you haven't learnt at all, which is which is really good to, to know that he was like that. Mm. Yeah. And then, of course, that probably would have been passed down to your dad. So you have worked with your dad, Bruce, haven't you? Yeah. So yeah. is is that a good relationship, good working relationship? <laughs> yeah, it's, it certainly is. And we've, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, we, we very rarely have a, and not even an argument. Like, I think it's good to disagree because uh, we're, we're really different people. And I think if if everyone's, What's the saying? If everyone's thinking the same, no one's thinking mm-hmm. at all. Um, it's something that <laughs> yeah. I, I quite like. Yeah. And and we, and we are really different. And even though Bruce grew up here in the winery, so as the winery got bigger, Bruce uh, kind of merged into, you know, as, as the managing director and was always more on the, the sales and export side in the second half of his working career. And, and I came in through the, I guess, the production side. So we've always come at things from different angles in that respect. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we, and, and my sister also, Jane, who's uh, two years older. So she's on the sales side of the business as well. And we all have different skill sets. We all bring different things to the table and um, and we get along really well. And, but we all we all agree on the things that like we need to get better at and we all agree on the things that, you know, we're not doing well enough and all that sort of stuff. So it's good. We're all on the same page. Perfect. And then when you're having a bad day, just go out and have a look at the tractors. That's, that's what I do. And if I ever do, get, <laughs> if, if I feel, an, and families are funny things, like if I feel an argument coming on, I'll just be like, yeah, not today, mate. And I'll just walk out and go, and yeah, and just, just go, go walk in the vineyard, go for a drive, do whatever. Mm-hmm. Families and forgive, don't they? Exactly. That they is do, true. Because you've got to have, you've got to do those dinners for Christmas and whatever afterwards. So you've got to. <laughs> Try to make them less awkward. Now, That's right. Yeah. I am going to take us to the very exciting grape variety that I think actually Jancis Robinson mm. has coined as Australia's gift to the world. Mm-hmm. Right? This is, for anyone who's saying, hang on a minute, what's she talking about? This is Semion. Um, is. And I haven't talked about Semion really, I think, in any of my mm. podcasts. So forgive me. This is your moment, though. So I thought if I'm going to talk Semyon, who else would I speak to but you? Yes, beautiful. Right? Thank you. Right. So, hey, Tyrrell's Vat 1, is this the Mm. first Semyon you ever made? No. So they would have made Semyons before that. And and just so we get this out of the road before I start, I say Semyon and sometimes I say Semelon. I say both. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Semelon. Generally speaking, the local the local pronunciation around here is Semelon. 
Oh, really? Um, okay. Yeah, c- quite often when I'm mm-hmm. in a in a in a selling uh, mode, I default to Semion because it sounds more fancy. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> so okay, um, we, I will mm-hmm. I will say both, but uh, Semion is usually what I go with. So okay. no, we, we've had Semion vines here um, at Tyrrells since uh, you know 1908. We've got as our oldest vineyard. Mm-hmm. And, but before that, it would have been most of the whites would have been fortified. There would have been the odd table wine, but most of our wines were sold to um, other wineries as bulk wine or merchants in Sydney, uh, negotiants in Sydney. But it wasn't until Murray, my grandfather, started bottling the wines under our own label that the brand Tyrrells really took right. off. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that 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 VAT numbering system, so VAT one. Uh, started in the early 60s and, and I guess the Tyrrell's brand and the Tyrrell's stories really exploded from there. I know. This, so this is 1963 that this wine was first released. Yeah. Um, well, with the, the first vintage, first made. Yeah. But yeah. I have read on the internet that this is mm. actually Australia's most awarded white wine. Is everybody listening? Is this is this still the case? You can, you can white lie a little bit if you want. Um, look, I think... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I think it, it was for a very long time, but yeah, I th- yeah. At, at most, I think put it this way: that one uh, and Tyrrells, I think, won every best Samalona show trophy at all the Capital City shows last year. So, um, wow. if it's not if it's not number one, the the strike rate's still pretty high. Okay, I, honestly, yeah. I think that is such an impressive like to even be able to claim it, it, that. Yeah, it is. It, I think. Um, consistency is important and and it, but it all goes back to the vineyard like the vineyards that make those wines like we're on a you know we've got such a big advantage before we even start in, in many respects they're, they're just amazing bits of land yeah so having semillon or yeah. semillon that's so funny semillon, look at me semillon. i look how, how exotic yeah. i am now nah, i'm S- going it with just semillon. rolls off the tongue semillon. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, having had <laughs> semillon planted mm. since mm. right at the beginning of the 1900s yeah. what have you guys learned about this great variety about how it grows its challenges its advantages yeah. what yeah it's well it's like you said it's been here a long time and i think uh hopefully we get to talk about uh, the shepherd's riesling stuff at some point soon. Yes, but, no, t- tell me now. So it used to be called. We can do that now. It was yeah, called so, shepherd's riesling, right? That's that's right. So in the, um, I'm sure you've heard of James Busby, who was, uh, the, yes. I guess the god, the Scotsman. godfather of Australian wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he was. He went. Um, got sent back to Europe and came back with uh, all the different grape varieties and cuttings. There was a bloke in Sydney um, called Thomas Shepherd who was the. The, re- the great botanist of the time. And, and if, if Busby was the academics, uh, you know, Thomas Shepard the, got the job done, was the pra- mm. Mr. Practical, the, the green thumb. And it had come through South Africa and it was called Green Grape originally and then Shepard's Riesling. So Shepard is Thomas Shepard. And he was the man who, who kind of, he had a big nursery right near Sydney Uni, but he was also the guy who taught people how to grow grapes and, and all that sort of stuff, had connections to the hunter. But... Uh, the reason it was called Riesling as well is because at the time, Riesling was the most expensive variety, you know, the stuff mm. in Germany and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So to make it, it was good and they, it was called Shepherd's Riesling for a long time and then Hunter River Riesling and everyone knew it to be semi-on, but it was marketed as Riesling. 
quite strange, isn't it? Yeah, to be honest, to be honest, in Australia, you did that with every, not you personally, oh, it's the winery. We some, you were like, we did it's, some pretty yeah. funky stuff, yeah. Right? You had, oh, this yeah. is a Chablis. It doesn't even matter. It, in fact, actually, I think they were taking semions, right? And they'd be like, oh, if it's made in a style that's kind of a bit yep. Chablis, like, we'll just call it a Chablis. <laughs> well, and I guess if if you think about it, like in its purest form, it makes all the sense in the world. But then at the same time, it makes no sense. So like the really the really famous one was Lindemans, who you know back in the back in those days were a much different winery. To I'm not sure what they are anymore, but they were they were a pretty serious winery back then. And in 1970, they made three semions, and they were three of the best semions ever made. And one okay. was labelled Riesling, one was labelled Chablis, and one was labelled White Burgundy. And presumably one was more aromatic, that was the Riesling. Correct. One was unoaked and maybe more mineral, and that was the Chablis. And one was rich and rounded and textural, and that was the white burgundy, right? Nailed Simple. It. Yep. Easy. And, and, I just passed and, the test. And for instance, yeah, exactly. And yeah, our, Shiraz <laughs> used, our Shiraz used to be called Burgundy, and but in the Barossa it was called Hermitage. Like, you know, it's just the way it was done. Oh, uh, yeah. Actually, anyway, yeah, back, yeah, yeah, back yeah. To, yeah, back, back to Cellon. Um, it is a, it's a really curious variety, and it... And it works really well here, um, almost in spite of itself in many ways. And I think it's it's one of these truly weird situations and unique situations where a great variety and a, a region are so connected. And, you mm. know, no one makes Semillon in this style anywhere in the world, let alone not, nowhere else in Australia, let alone anywhere else in the world. You know, and it, it ripens differently here because of our, we don't get, like searing, searing hot weather, but we get, it's, it's Australia, we get pretty hot. But mm-hmm. in, in the afternoons, we get this cloud cover and the humidity raises and a cool, the cool southerly breezes. So what happens is we don't get um, a lot of shrivel because you get that humidity in the afternoon and it cools okay, down yeah. a bit. Mm-hmm. And, but also because that humidity is a bit higher, the ripening window is actually a bit smaller, particularly as you get towards harvest, you know, around Veraison, it actually speeds up. So even though I think one of the big misconceptions is you pick Semillon really early because you want it to age, that's that's incorrect. We pick it at lower sugars than other regions that variety is known for, mm-hmm. but because in this region, that's when it's ready to go, that variety. So when we get to that sort of 10 and a half, 11 and a half Beaumet, all of those green characters are gone in the juice. It's ready to go. Whereas if, if we had this conversation in, say, the Barossa, if you looked at it at 11 Bome, it'd still be quite herbal and grassy and asparagus and mm. same in Margaret River, probably the same in Bordeaux. But here, the way that it ripens, it, it speeds up towards the end with that humidity and what I mentioned before. And you get these wonderful, well, they're ripe. They're ripe flavors at, at just lower sugar levels. So that's why we pick them because they're ready to pick. <laughs> so do you think that's why it's maybe found its home in Hunter Valley as opposed to, of course, it does grow all over Australia, but people don't really hmm. talk about it from other regions. Is that because right. you can get such almost freshness but ripeness all in one? Exactly. And, exactly. And it, you nailed it. And like we get pretty good acidity here, really low pHs. And like the chemistry is good, tastes good. And they, and they just happen to make these, you know, really good drinks when they're young, but something completely unique and otherworldly as they get old. And mm. and I guess one of the great things of working with Semillon is, 
you know, it's it's ne- it's not the most wildly drunk variety. It's not the most wildly planted. It's never going to be, you know, wildly successful at a commercial level. But you know, at the premium end of the scale, I think I'm really proud, and I think lucky, more more lucky as well that that we mm. get to work with something as unique as this in this region. Yeah. And you know, I speak to friends in other regions and. You know, they're forever comparing themselves to other regions in France or, or whatever and saying this is an Australian version of Northern Rhone, this is an Australian version of Burgundy. It's like, well, it's kind of a bit, not sad, but I think we're really lucky that we get to have something that's just ours. You know, most people would kill for that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and I can say that like right now, the transition, mm. I'm working for an English winery. It's mm. like, of course, it's constantly being compared to champagne. And yeah. of course, but then you're kind of like, no, we don't want to be compared. We want it to be, right. this is the wine and value it for what it is. So it's amazing that, yeah, your Hunter Valley Semillon, it's, it's mm. that itself is more well-known, I would say, from a commercial level than mm. the semillon that grows in Bordeaux because Bordeaux yeah. whites, a lot of people, when I speak to people getting into the wine world, they go, oh, Bordeaux, that's red wine. It's like, no, no, no. there's yeah. white wine and there's sweet wine. So, yeah. And then they would have no idea that that is a semillon Sauvignon Blanc or, you know, Muscadelle that's as well. Right. They, wouldn't, they th- wouldn't know. And I think the other big thing that's helped move this around the world in terms of notoriety is because of the uniqueness you're always going to have access to WSET, Masters of Wine program, all those things right so people Mm. who, the gatekeepers of these wines are studying them they're learning about them they're always in the exams because they're unique and different and then when we go to show these wines around the world they'll say oh my god I haven't seen a Hanover (laughs) Semillon since you know and and they're really excited and they know a lot Mm -hmm. about it so it's mm. kind of a nice little nice little head start that way as well. And question, obviously, this is a single variety. You're doing 100% Semillon. Have you yep. at any point or even in history been tempted to do the Sauvignon Blanc Semillon blend? No, but do you know what we do? It's like the secret Tyrrell's wine. Ooh, we don't yes. E- we, don't, we, don't, we don't export any. Is We make a Chardonnay Semillon blend called Vat That's- 63. Ah, okay, okay, and, and interesting. And we, we make we make about four or five hundred dozen a year, and it's basically the best of our top Chardonnay and the best of that one, and we mm. make a little blend. Well, I can see and how that works. That's very t- must be very textural. Uh, yeah, it's just but it's funny after say four or five, they age really well, obviously, but mm-hmm. after like when they're young, you can clearly see the different varieties in there, mm-hmm. but the varietal characteristics but as they get older the region takes over it just tastes like an old hunter white at a certain point yeah 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 Yeah. so that's the little like hidden Tyrrell's wine that no one overseas knows about (laughs) but now they all do because you've just said it Um, yeah that's right (laughs) so if everyone listening they might be going okay Semillon we've me and you we're bigging it up we're saying it's amazing how would you describe to somebody who doesn't know what Semillon is what does it taste like okay so it it, it, well, as I said earlier, it's a, it's a wine of two lives. So firstly, the most and the most important thing to probably mention is that it's unwooded. So all stainless steel fermentation and maturation, and we, we bottle mm-hmm. it. Um, we bottle it pretty quickly. So we bottle it after about six months. And when they're young, Hunter Valley Semillons, are, they're not as, say, aromatic as a Riesling, for instance. So, mm-hmm. But they're still very much in that citrus spectrum. So... You know, I quite often see, uh, you know, that sort of 
just in between lime and lemon in terms of the citrus where, where it sits. Mm-hmm. And then depending on the vintage, we get things like, you know, lanolin and those sometimes straw characters. Or if it's a bit cooler, you can, you know, ginger and into a bit of just the, the, the top end of grass as opposed to like green grass. Um, mm-hmm. But really vibrant acidity, uh, sort of tightly coiled palate. Not, not too dissimilar to, a, to say an Aussie Riesling, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, just a bit less aromatic. But what the beauty of it is when we re-release them. So most of our Semillons we sell with minimum five years age on them. And at which point they become super rich and super complex. And one of the few wines in the world that actually takes on complexity and takes on weight as it gets older. Many wines mm-hmm. actually, many wines are big and bold and in your face and then fade and fade and that, you know, it's continually fading from there. Semillon's very much the other way. And the acidity mellows out a bit. And then you, you're sort of, you're talking about, you know, lemon curd and honey and all these richer, waxy, toasty <laughs> cakes. And they're just great. And you get what you're getting a really powerful wine full of flavor and full of complexity at 11% alcohol that will live for 20, 30, keep going as long as you want now. Screw yeah. cap, I guess. But, you know, and I don't think, and they're cheap relatively to say what's going on in white burgundy at the moment or Chablis or whatever. Well, you're not using oak, are you? It, it, these older no. semillons appear to have oak because of the richness and the complexity and these toast and lemon butter notes, etc. but <laughs> they don't have that's oak. Right. And I think yeah. if you, and I know we said earlier that we wouldn't compare ourselves to others, but I'm about to do it right now. <laughs> uh, quite quite often, say, Riesling in Australia will head down, you know, those terpenes will come out, it'll go down that, um, you know, petroleum route, whereas mm-hmm. Se- Se- Semillon will go down that toasty, honey, waxy route. Mm. And oh why that is, it's not a winemaking trick because there isn't really any winemaking we we use a pretty neutral yeast and it's in stainless steel and that's it, right? So that's just the the relationship of the variety, the region. That's just what happens. Wow. Yeah, and I suppose that mm. goes back to when you were saying, you know, it, you learn it's all about the vineyard. If you're not doing so it much is. in the winery, it's having yeah. old vines, having good quality fruit and good practices out in the vineyard. Yeah, and, and from a, for those that are interested in winemaking, we can, that are listening, we'll talk about, Probably winemaking a lot more when we're talking about Shiraz later. But mm-hmm. with, with Semillon, there's nowhere to hide. You know, you can't use a bit more oak. You can't have Malo. You can't use heaps of Lee's texture. You can't, like, you've either got it or you don't. You mentioned, so no malolactic fermentation ever. That's just not, is no. that a you thing or is that a, the Semillons of Hunter Valley? No one does mm. Malo. Uh, no one does it. No. Okay. All right. Yeah. And, and, and the, the, the scientific reason is, we don't get very high malic here because that humidity I was talking about before. Ah, okay. So actually you kind of don't need it, but at the same time, what you've got in terms of acidity, you want to keep. Correct. So if we put it through a malo and it's the same with our Chardonnay, we then have this big fat wine. We'd have to add acid back to it. (laughs) (laughs) So there would be no point, right? Yeah. (laughs) There there is, there is no point. Yeah. So the fact that, it is standard not to put oak with semillon. Mm. Does anybody do it? Presumably there will be some places oh. that want to create a big, bold style for some reason, right? That's right. No one is doing it on a commercial level, but I know a few places that you know might put their pressings in older oak to maybe blend back into something later mm. at a lower rate. 
Um, and I know so people are, are trying. Yeah, and, and I think that with the continued natural wine movement, or and not so much natural wine, but lower intervention, I think people are a bit more open-minded these days, and that's conventional wineries and, say, non-conventional wineries, right? People mm-hmm. are just willing to push, push the boat out a bit more. So, for instance, um, it might be, uh, you know, leave a bit of skin contact for 28, 48 hours before you press it, then make it traditionally, or it might be full leaves, might be all these different things. So there's different levers you can pull, but... I think what you're seeing now is some of the wineries trying different things that would go into a blend at small rates and just working away in the background at different ways of doing it because we do have a a style as a region that we kind of stick to, but I think the style has actually changed a fair bit over time for the better anyway. Okay, good. But I would say that everything you're doing, your semions are all aged in stainless steel tanks, right? Yeah. The last time we used oak was 1990. Okay. So a while back. (laughs) And no no plans right now to bring that back in. No, no. So you have several single vineyard semions in the portfolio. So would you say then that semion is a very good vehicle for terroir to demonstrate that? Look, I'm going to be a homer here, and Ooh. I think I think that the Hunter Valley showcases terroir as well as any region on the planet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Because, and I'm saying that because we have the experience of all these different bottlings of Semillon, but they look so different, and they're all made exactly the same way in a really basic way. And by basic, I mean there's not much other noise. Stainless steel, mm-hmm. like they're, they're pressed clarified pretty quick fermented stainless steel bottled after you know five six months and Mm -hmm. we've actually just before speaking with you i've just spent two weeks doing our members tasting so our private wine club around the country okay and they 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 get access to our 2022s so we've had all the 2022 top single vineyards vat ones etc and so i've seen i've tasted these wines with 1000 you know, of, of general public, not winemaking public, winemaking enthusiasts, but and all that comes up every tasting is how different they all look. And mm. and you think about so HVD, for instance, which we might talk about later. I think we might. <laughs> yeah, so for instance, that, that vineyard has a particular underground water source and a berry shape, which makes it taste a certain way, whereas other ones, you know, taste differently for other reasons. And it's all, you can link it right back to the soil, the the landscape where the vineyard is, how far it is from the mountain range, and they all taste exactly where they're from rather than, oh, that's a Tyrrell Semillon. And you were saying about the members club, they were tasting like the 2022. I realised what I haven't touched on, which I find quite interesting, is when are you picking the Semillon? Because you said that you're not specifically picking early, but in theory, you're able to pick earlier at a lower potential alcohol for the fact that it's riper. So when are you picking yeah, the general rule of thumb is around just the week after Australia Day. So our national holiday is the 26th of January. Mm-hmm. So normally we're just finishing the Chardonnay. We actually pick the Chardonnay before the Semillon. Even oh, though do the you? Okay. Yeah, even though it's you know, that 13, 13 and a half Bromay type thing. Um, mm-hmm. But the Semillon will normally finish second week of Feb. Okay. First week of okay. Feb. Yeah, so we'll, yeah. we'll go pretty hard for 10 days, two weeks. Uh, in those last few days of January, and then hopefully get through as quick as we can. Right. I mean, so it's early, because but I'm it surprised. All gets, it all gets ripe at the same time. 
<laughs> I know, and then you don't have enough hands. That's um, that's yeah, right. Classic yeah. problem everywhere. But interesting. Yeah. So you are picking early, earlier than yeah. standard. A lot of people would be probably starting towards the end of Feb for whites, maybe you know, around yeah, the world. Right. I'm saying as a as a standard for people to put to think about the southern hemisphere, of course. Yeah. Um, and where I guess in terms of Australia, since um, from a latitude point of view, we're the most northern of the the like the super premium wine regions mm-hmm. and in, in terms of the closest latitude wise it'd be Clare Valley Clare Valley's pretty close okay okay and, and they're yeah. not too far behind us and they're usually picking red at the same time as us okay interesting good yeah. to, good to compare although we're not allowed yeah. to compare remember we're not comparing <laughs> we should be comparing yeah. we're not comparing yeah. um yeah. so you mentioned we might talk about that hvd yeah. vineyard i have yeah. a bottle of 2015 in front of me i've yeah. always loved this wine and actually yeah. the reason that's helped so me I. love this wine is everybody in the uk this is available in waitrose for like 24 yes. pounds which is insane so other places sell it but the fact that it's so easy to get hold of i have drunk this on several occasions um, why is the hvd vineyard so celebrated why has it got oh, that kind of famous name yeah it's an amazing um history that vineyard so originally it was planted by the hunter valley distilling company so mm-hmm. that whole vineyard was planted for you know grapes for distillation to make to make um uh, brandies and spirits for, for fortified for fortified production, which at the turn mm-hmm. of the last two, two centuries ago was all people drunk in Australia really was fortified. So they ran into some trouble uh, during the Depression and Penfolds mm-hmm. purchased the vineyard and Penfolds ran it for about, uh, you know, just under 60 years. And we, we, purchased, ah. it from Pen, we, we purchased it from Penfolds in 1982. Interesting. And okay. So that's got Semyon... Uh, back to 1908 and it's also got Chardonnay back to 1908 and that's the oldest Chardonnay vineyard in Australia and I guess by default Phylloxera or whatnot you could argue there's probably not many Chardonnay vineyards older than that in the world on their own roots ungrafted Mm. Uh, Mm because we've never had Phylloxera here so all these old vines we're talking about are all you know first gen pre-Phylloxera ungrafted material on their own roots. It's amazing. It is. It's incredible. And the reason I love love HVD is it's got, so it's dry, all of our vineyards are dry grown, but HVD's got these two creek beds, which are old creek beds. They very rarely have water in them, but that run either side of it. But you've actually got pretty good underground water flow there, and it's always got Mm -hmm. big canopy. It's got big berries, like bigger than our other blocks. And then when you try HVD, it's kind of got this, a bit more of a loose knit structure and it's a bit more approachable than some of our other say that one that one's a bit more tightly coiled and but mm-hmm. hvd's just like in a sphere of all the tyrrell's wines it's kind of just a bit more cuddly in, in a way and like <laughs> and hvd's like a them. really good it's a really good looking vineyard like it's the one lots of other winemakers will drive past and drop in and have a look and they'll send you a text message like jesus hvd looks good but it always looks good it's just a mm. it's just about as grand cru as it gets it's great mm. I'm drinking it now. My gosh. I Yeah. Oh. So interesting. For me, the freshness on the palate, it's really yeah. quite considering that everybody, this is 2015 here. So this is a seven-year-old yeah. wine. It is as fresh as a daisy. That age, and we released them at that sort of uh six, seven year age, you've got the 15 there. Mm. So to me, that's like the sweet spot where they smell, they've got age characters on the nose, but you've still yes. got the the purity of youth on the palate. It's just got a little bit more weight. 
And I think mm. each way bets the Australian expression, but to me, like smells old, tastes young is like it is still a, is a really good place to be. Mm. Um, it's just a real, and that that fifteen will live for you know another 10, 15 years easily. Mm. But it's just got You're a so little right. bit more a little bit more shape on the palate and yep. smell. You've got those waxy, toasty things started on the nose, which is beautiful stuff. You're so right. So it's like, actually, funny enough, um, it's a very clean and crisp mm. on the palate. You've got mm. this lovely, that tiny uh, glycerol, waxy, honey nature coming yeah. in. But palate-wise, lovely lemon peel, crunchy green apple fruit yeah. for me. Yeah. So lovely and lifted. And then on the nose, though, which I, I do it the other way around because it's so interesting what you said. You get you get that lanolin, you really do, yeah. and then but it smells so much richer, and it's almost like this. I've got this. It's like a pineapple upside down cake. <laughs> 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 that is what I'm smelling right now. But it's got, and then the the citrus notes are like lemon curd. It's not fresh lemon yeah. juice. It's got that more evolution. But this is a really vibrant, interesting, complex yeah. wine. It. It's divine. I love it. And um, 2015 was a really tough vintage. And mm. and why I think that's important to mention is how consistent those vineyards are. You know, year in, year out. Like if we look up the history books in 20 years' time mm-hmm. and you could only mark vintages as like great, good, and probably average, like 2015, <laughs> yeah. would, be, 2015 would be average. Okay, but yeah. But that's the beauty of this grape variety in this region. Average for reds, it wasn't a good red vintage because it was so wet. But mm. Semillon, just it's fine. It takes it a stride and you get to taste wines like we do today. Seven years later, you know, from a not amazing vintage, we're going to scream from the rooftops. And that wine's magnificent, that 15 HVD. It's great. And what's so lovely is that along with the fruit, we've mentioned this richness, mm. it does take you to this slightly more savoury, almost mm. not quite earthy, but... I get a slight grassy ginger note alongside the fruit. It's got so, and this is, the fact is for everyone listening, I've just opened this up now. I quickly just undid the screw cap. So it hasn't had any time in the glass to breathe. And I can absolutely assume I'm going to get way more tasting notes as I drink this later on. So for the price, I genuinely, not just because you're sat here, but I think the value for money that you Mm. get with these semions is is phenomenal yeah and someone said to me once and i quite like it um they said you know they're really uh complex wines but they're not complicated mm. and you try so you try so many wines that like there's just so much going on and you just mm-hmm. kind of couldn't be bothered whereas those wines are really interesting but you know they're quite drinkable and then at the end of the day mm-hmm. it's just a, yep. at the end of the day it's just a drink and, and we're you know we're really highly engaged you and I we can we love looking at all the nuances and all those things but at the end of the day it's a really good drink I think you've summed it up right I'll, yeah. I, no more tasting notes everyone apart from the fact <laughs> that I've got okay actually one more I've got this nice little hazelnut skin layer yep. fin- on the finish very nice okay that's it everyone else <laughs> it's just beautiful easy drinking good concentration yeah fresh yeah smells good right that's amazing what would you pair with some young semions or some aged semions for people? Because now everyone's going to have to go out and get some of your bottles, right? So what, what should they pair it with? Uh, well, I guess uh, it's a very personal thing, the food yeah, wine is, matching. Yeah. But I think when, when there's a young sem, so say a 2022, yeah. for me, I love oysters. So, that, but, <laughs> yeah. but the other thing, I and I don't live by the ocean, but 
I could eat sashimi like every day. Mm, and I, th- mm-hmm. I think like good sashimi and, you know, really young Sam is perfect. But yeah. as they get older, I think you can just notch up the seafood. Like, you know, when you get seafoods as they get richer, like, you know, you yeah. might have, you know, grilled shellfish and like, um, you know, fillets of fish that are, the fish is a bit fattier or some richer sauces and all those things. Like once you yeah. start adding, if you add in like butter and lemon and all those things to your dish, then it kind of tastes like the wine, right? And that's kind mm-hmm. of where I, that's where I gravitate towards. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also, I mean, just smelling this and tasting this now, like a really nice kind of pork dish with maybe even yeah. Asian with a little bit of spice in there, Definitely. I think could be yeah. really quite yeah. nice because it's got that texture and it's got that slight honey nature. Mm, yeah. Yummy. Okay, so now you know that Semillon or Semillon is Hunter Valley's flagship grape and a wine when young, it's fresh and citrusy and just perfect for seafood, but can be forgotten about for decades. And then the rich, complex flavors just make it a perfect pairing for veal or roasted, honeyed pork, all sorts. Now, next week, In part two, we're continuing with Chris and we are going to focus on the Shirazes of Hunter Valley. Now, I will admit that this was the first time for me tasting Shiraz from Hunter Valley. Big gulp. Um, But they were so different. And so this is really an episode you want to tune in to hear a little bit more. Now, we'll be looking at the climate and the region in a lot more detail. So by the end of the next week's episode, you're going to have a really full and rounded understanding of this premium wine growing region, Hunter Valley. Now, finishing off, I've got a wine pun for you guys instead of a wine quote, as I couldn't help myself. I'm so thankful to all of you for being such loyal and dedicated listeners. So I just wanted to tell you that you are all one in semion. <laughs> okay, I'm actually embarrassed I even said it out loud, but I'm not going to delete it. So, <clears throat> yeah, moving on. Thanks for listening. You are all fabulous. And so, if you haven't subscribed already, do make sure you have so you don't miss any other episodes. Share this podcast by taking a screenshot and sharing it on your socials, or just tell a wine loving friend about it. Leave a comment and some stars if you can, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, and like the podcast, as all of this just helps the podcast to grow. So, I appreciate your help on my wine mission now may you all have a fruitful week filled with grapes in liquid form be happy be amazing and until next monday cheers to you